can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea Nanini. Thanks for uh, joining us. Rudy Stankowitz. This is a true story. Mm-hmm. It happened years ago. And it kind of was meant to be nostalgic and nice. Well, when I first started working, of course, there were, you know, holiday bonuses for Christmas of varying amounts. It wasn't just a Christmas thing. Employers used to also do a little something at Thanksgiving. And I had always thought that was really nice, Mm -hmm. right? They'd give you like a gift certificate for a turkey if it was a big company or give you a turkey or or some kind of whatever, just as appreciation. One of the companies that I worked for gave out uh, like 20 bucks or 25 bucks, $25 gift cards to Publix, which was awesome. So you could get a turkey or whatever you needed. like Or whatever, yeah. Like the fucking cranberries you forgot. Like the fuck cranberries so what you're saying is you and Paulie didn't have any cranberries over there at your thanksgiving i don't know if that's an official holiday or not anyway fast forward (laughs) to when i started my pool service company here in north central florida i had a good team of, of people working for me they did a great job they took initiative they always did what they were supposed to. They wanted pools to be picture per I mean, for the most part, you know, mm-hmm. they wanted pools to be picture perfect. And, you know, it, it was just worked. It just worked, right? So I had this group of folks and I wanted to extend that same feeling that I used to get. So I decided that, you know, I would get everybody a turkey for Thanksgiving. Oh, that's nice. I had a big old freezer and it's not like I had a hundred employees. Mm-hmm. So I remember going to Publix and I'm pushing the cart around in Publix and my wife called and asked what I was doing. I said, well, I, you know, I thought it'd be nice if I got everybody a turkey for Thanksgiving. And you know what she says to me? She says, you better get those store brand turkeys out of your cart. <laughs> and I said, okay, because of course me being the cheap ass f- I am. I had store brand turkeys. She was right. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. So I took those out. I put the butter balls in. Everybody's getting a butterball turkey. This is going really cool, right? So I pay for those, get home, plop mm-hmm. them in the freezer. I wanted to give them out the week prior to Thanksgiving, not, you know, the day before Thanksgiving. That's insane. Here's a frozen bird, right? Right. But I wanted to give them time to not have to buy one if they hadn't already bought one. So I feel like I've, I feel like I, you might've told me, I may have shared this with you before. So anyway, the Friday before the week before Friday, end of day, I give everybody their Turkey and everybody seems really excited and appreciative and thankful. Right. So it goes over well. And I Mm -hmm. expressed that joy that I used to feel in my team, which is what I was hoping for. Then Monday comes Thanksgiving week. And one of my guys, one of my better guys doesn't show up, Uh oh. but he's one of my better guys. So it's definitely worth picking up the phone to call because, because this has never happened before. He's been with me for a little while, not, you know, an entire year yet, Mm -hmm. but he was a really good guy and really moving forward quickly. And I call, I leave a message. There's no answer. A few minutes later, 
maybe 10, 15 minutes later, I get a text message from him. It's you effing this, you effing that, you son of a bitch. <gasps> Obviously, the only reason you gave me a turkey is because you know you don't pay me well enough to feed my family. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, huh? Wait, isn't a turkey feeding your family? <laughs> I know what he meant. I know what he meant. I was just making a joke. But geez, how ungrateful. Later that afternoon, I get an email. You've got mail. Same thing. You don't pay me enough, and that's why you gave me a turkey, and this, that, and the other thing, blah, 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 blah. Later that night, I get a comment on social media, on my Facebook page, and all it says is, hashtag, you butterballed me, bro. <laughs> Want more Talking Pools? Go to Pool Magazine. In a new and exciting venture, Pool Magazine will now feature the Talking Pools podcast column online and in every publication. Pool Magazine is the hottest new publication featuring up-to-the-minute news on what's happening in the pool world in a fresh new stylized format with a mobile-friendly app. Talking Pools is the pool industry's fastest-growing podcast and has the expert tips on water chemistry, maintenance tricks, and money-saving hacks you want. Pool Magazine keeps your fingers on the pulse of the pool industry. You heard it right. The Talking Pools podcast now has a column in PoolMagazine.com. Download on Google Play in the App Store. All right. So how many years experience do you have in the pool industry again? 45. <laughs> Is this like... No, this was me trying to be in the industry as long as you. Um, <laughs> how many years have you been in the pool industry? I started in 2002. So, so 19 a years? Good, uh, almost 20. Yeah. Okay. And I am within months of 31 years. Okay. So you and I decide we're each going to open our own pool service company over there where you live in Port St. Lucie. Okay. I'm going to charge customers 150 bucks a month for service. You're going to conduct the same exact service I do. What are you going to charge them? I mean... I'm charging 150. What are you charging? Well, if I know you're going in at 150, I'll go in at like 130. Why? I don't know. To get the customer. Do I brush better than you? No. Are my, you don't know that. <laughs> are my tablets better than yours? No. Do I skim better than you? Do I clean filters better than you? What about scale removal? Which one of us does that better? Me. So why in God's name? Are you going to charge less than me? Why are you going to compete on price? Can I change my answer? <laughs> no. I want the answer to that question. Why? Uh, I don't know, because it just kind of came out of my mouth. I want to build a route up quickly, so I'm going to try and get as many customers as I can. So you're going to undercut the market because Andrea doesn't think she's worth as much because Rudy has more experience. I was having a conversation. Hey! Use the wrong poem. You're looking at my guy all wrong. <laughs> See, now your dog thinks you're barking with it. Yeah. I was having a conversation earlier, and a person actually said to me that, you know, people were talking about undercutting the market and coming in at a lower price, and most of the folks were saying, hey, you know what? Shoddy service. They do a bad job. They're going to screw over the customers. And, of course, my point always is when somebody undercuts the market is that you're going to damage the value of that product. And in this case, that swimming pool service, you're going to damage the value of that product in that market. And the response was, yeah, but I'm coming in new and I don't see a reason why someone would go with, with a new company when they can go with an established company, unless it was cheaper. Hmm. 
So that's kind of some worth projection. And that's something to do with your project their own worth or project their own value onto the pricing they're establishing. What would I pay for swimming pool service? Right. So if you're sitting there thinking in your head, what would Andrea pay for swimming pool service? Mm -hmm. Does it matter what you would pay? Um, I mean, I get, yeah, I guess that's what I would base. That would base my, let me ask you a question. Okay, go ahead. Do you have a pool in your backyard? I do not. Then who the f cares what you would pay for pool service? <laughs> I mean, seriously, <laughs> well, you're no, make a good not, point. you're not your customer. But the point being is, is that when you look at your pricing, you're taking into consideration what you would pay for service. So are you telling me that Joe Namath, who doesn't live too far from you, will only pay what you're willing to pay for service? No, absolutely not. What about any of the customers on your route? Is it fair to think that they would only pay what you would be willing to pay for service? No. Okay. So then why would you base your pricing upon that? Wouldn't you be cutting your own throat if you did? Well, yeah, because I wouldn't pay a certain amount of money for, you know, a certain brand of shoe or, you know, purse or something like that. But doesn't, you know, somebody else wouldn't. What about an imposter complex? Huh, that's funny. Is it funny? Okay. So let me ask you this. Do you think that it's possible? Funny as in like interesting, not like, ha ha. Well, wouldn't you think it's possible that people may not feel like they're good enough to get as much money as somebody else, whether it was true or not? Yeah, for sure. So you're projecting your own beliefs into your pricing and does it belong there? No. No. You need to erase that part of your brain, not have a mind eraser. That's totally different. <laughs> But you need to erase those thoughts in your head because that has nothing to do with business. Your pricing should be based upon what the market can bear. Best way to figure out what that is, is to do a competition survey, find out what your competitors are charging, and just average it out. Now, whether you're at the top end of average or the low end of average, you should still be average. You should not be below average because you are not below average. What was that hippie crap you said at the end of the show the other day? I don't remember. <laughs> You're good enough. You smell bad. What was it? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's from Saturday Night Live. You're good enough. You're smart enough. And doggone it, people like you. Yeah. And doesn't that apply to everybody? Of course. So then aren't you as good as anybody else? Aren't you worth as much as anybody else who cleans a pool? For sure. Then but why would you charge less? People have been paying a certain super duper low price for decades, for decades, because we've had people come in that just want to build up routes. Like I said in the beginning, what I was trying to do, because I wanted to have a company and a route and to make money. So you just charge as low as you can and you do as many pools as you possibly can possibly can at that price. And then everybody suffers because you're working super hard. You're doing a hundred pools a week. You're skipping out on stuff. You're not vacuuming, right? You're skipping the brush. You're not cleaning the filters when you should. And then, you know, you end up losing the accounts and then they still want to pay $70 to the next person that comes. Did you just argue my point? Did I? Yes. Oh, somebody beat down the market. Low ballers came in. They diminished the value of the product. Now you can yes. only get so much. They killed it, right? Pool service Correct. isn't worth as much because people kept coming in and undercutting the market. Now you come in and what you're saying is 
you have to charge that same low price because that is now what the market will bear. Do you come in lower than that price? No. 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 Do you? No. Okay. So you're arguing my okay. point. So thank you, <laughs> I think. We went around it in a funny way, but. <laughs> because there's something wrong. I don't know. The neurons connect. <laughs> over there sometimes. Me neither. Do you ever see a spark plug, right? When it gets all that carbon buildup yeah. on the tip? That's how your brain fires. It's like it's missing a cylinder. I mean, it catches up. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it, it, fi it misfires at first, but she catches back up. It's okay. When the Talking Pools podcast returns, Andrea tackles a listener's question on snowflaking and magnesium hydroxide precipitant in saltwater pools, followed by Rudy with a deep dive into how pool enzymes work. We got a question in an email. Okay. Question is pertaining to pool snow. Oh. Or sn snowflaking. Uh-huh. And magnesium hydroxide how to determine which is which, how to get rid of it if it occurs. You got this? I think so. All right. So the pool snow, as soon as anybody posts about it, the first thing everybody says, uh, all right, not the first thing, but let's go with the top three things everybody says. Number one. Ah, ah, ah. Calcium flakes from the cell reversing. Calcium phosphate. Calcium phosphate is number two. And f diapers. Okay. It's not diapers. I, I, it's so aggravating to see that comment. It's so aggravating. The first time I came across this issue, two years ago, maybe two or three years ago, and, um, you know, I post about it in the group like, like you do, and I swear to God, there must have been, like, out of the 50 or so comments that I got, 25 of them were, it's a diaper. It's a, it's a diaper. That's what they look like. And I'm like, you guys, this house is owned by a man and his wife who have never had any children. So they don't have grandchildren. They don't have kids. They don't have people bringing babies over. And he's not old enough to be in diapers. So it's definitely not a diaper. <laughs> so you're saying it depends. Uh-huh. Yep. Very funny. So anyway, you know, we, we know that they can, the flakes can be caused by lots and lots of different things. High pH, uh, you know, high calcium, phosphate, all that stuff. The heat from the cell, you know, drops the things out of the solution if it's, you know, the pH is too high, if there's, if those things are present. So what was it? Magnesium hydroxide? Yes. Yeah. Also known as milk of magnesia. Oh, so you take that for heartburn? No, you take that if- As it's a laxative. Stopped up. Correct. Yes. It unstops. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> a way that you can kind of tell if you have magnesium hydroxide present- is to do a calcium hardness test with a drop, you know, tailor kit, whatever. Um, You're talking about that. You can't do this with strips. Titration test, right? Correct. When you put the blue drops in and you took, put in the number 12 reagent and it turns it pink. So when you detect the presence of magnesium hydroxide, you do a calcium hardness test. When, you're <laughs> when you breach your endpoint you will see purple dots swirling around in the pink solution. That indicates magnesium hydroxide or, or high pH. Would you give the customers a head up, heads up? 
it's look, I've, I've noticed this in the test results. You have a magnesium hydroxide level, not to fear, but if your pH should go up, you're going to get some precipitate. So don't worry. It's normal. It's always a good idea to prepare the customer for something like that, because when they see it in the pool and you didn't warn them or, you know, you know, nobody likes a surprise diaper in their pool, apparently. <laughs> so, yes, it would be a good idea right. to so give a heads up. You see the schmutz on the floor of the pool. What the steps do you have for us here? Well, it took me forever. <laughs> it took me forever to figure it out. Uh, I tried a bunch of different things because I didn't know what I was working with at first. I think it took me and you a little while to go back and forth to kind of narrow things down. But I remember. Um, yeah. So um, one of the pictures I, I took of when it first started, because I, I started seeing it in like, three or four pools and I was, you know, vacuuming to waste. I was netting everything out. I was like checking my calcium, checking my pH, you know, and they were all salt pools. This hasn't happened to me in a regular chlorine. So, you know, just trying all different things. Um, one of the things that I ended up doing with one of the customers who was really bad, this was the picture I was just talking about where I vacuumed it up with my riptide bag and I was able to make an actual snowball out of it. Like I saw that. That was pretty a cool. Grapefruit, yeah, a grapefruit sized uh, ball of diaper. calcium flame <laughs> diaper. <laughs> Ew. Um, so with her pool, what I actually did was I turned off her salt cell for like two weeks. I just completely turned it off and I treated it as a regular chlorine pool for a while. I got my pH and my um, calcium levels. You know all the all the the balance. You know the chemical balances. I got those all where they should be. And I had everything cleaned up and I put the cell back on and it seemed to help the issue. And I didn't see much coming back. Now there was another pool where I tried that same thing and it didn't really work. And then that one is the one we ended up using the Jack's Magenta, um, which that kept it away the longest. Like after I used a whole, one whole bottle, um, I don't know the exact volume of the pool, but it was a really big pool. Um, so the one bottle lasted, lasted like a long time and I did not see flakes again for several months. What is that Jack's Magenta designed specifically to do? I mean, what does it say on the label? So people know. Oh, shit. Um, well, that is. It says shit. <laughs> shit. No, this I, will remove the it's... shit from your pool. <laughs> it's a sequestrant, a sequestering agent, right? Where it, okay. It's used for startups um, to help keep the metals out and the magenta stuff is formulated specifically for salt pools. So the blue stuff and the magenta stuff, I think kind of do a similar, I'm not sorry, not blue stuff. The purple stuff and the magenta stuff do similar things. The magenta stuff is um, designed to work with salt pools. Wow. So many colors today. <laughs> so, so check this out. So that kind of makes sense, right? Because we know that magnesium hydroxide, the reason that's in the pool is most likely because of the salt cell, because this mostly, this mostly occurs in saltwater pools. It can occur in others, but the reason it's more typical here is because magnesium is part of your water hardness, right? Water hardness is magnesium and calcium. Magnesium, mm -hmm. if there's a high level of magnesium in the water, when that goes through the salt cell, that's subject to electrolysis, just like everything else that goes through the cell. And in electrolysis, magnesium becomes magnesium hydroxide. Ah, and then if you have a high enough pH, which is typical in salt pools, it's going to drop out of solution. Is that the correct terminology? 
I'll take it because okay. magnesium hydroxide is actually a very effective flock at a high pH. Okay. So by unplugging your salt cell, what you did was is you halted the production of magnesium hydroxide from any magnesium left in the water, and you allowed the pH to come back down to the correct range. So another way that we could handle this or head this off is just through a good pH control. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, before, before I answer that question, I just wanted to add into that I, f- I discovered me on my own. No, I'm just kidding. But I found another source of, of magnesium. I don't know if it's the magnesium hydroxide or the magnesium, where it can come from and how it can get in the pool. Share. Certain, certain types of um, decking, uh, the coquina, you know, with the stone, if you have your deck made out of that material, or some okay. people will have that as their coping. So I had a pool that their whole entire patio was this coquina you know, coral stone and they had it pressure washed. All of that went in the pool and I didn't see any flakes, but I had the weirdest reaction when I did my calcium hardness test. It like turned thick. It was really weird. That is weird. Isn't that the Italian word for kitchen? Coquina? That's cucina. Cucina is kitchen. Isn't it spelt the same? No, coquina has a Q in it. For pH control in saltwater pools, check out episode 11 of the Talking Pools podcast, Shocking Ways to Ensure Your Pool Doesn't Need Acid. Next up, Rudy and how enzymes really work and the secret ingredients manufacturers use. Enzymes come from, are you ready? Are you sitting down? Are you ready for this? I am sitting. Are they soap? Bacteria. I just kind of pictured it as working the way that soap. Enzymes come from bacteria. Well, that makes sense. So you're either getting here, check this out. So if you're buying the enzymes that have bacteria in the product, right? So some of them, you know, it's just enzymes and bacteria in the product. Have you ever seen the commercials for the uh, Ridex that you put in septic tanks? I was wondering how long it was going to take you to hang a left. Go ahead. <laughs> well, they you that's enzymes, and because I I, ha, I have a septic, my house is fairly old. It's on half septic, half sewer, and the people told me to get enzymes to flush right. down the toilet, and that helps. Okay, you know, keep things. It breaks down. That's I, that's where I got the term breakdown from. Is that whole commercial, and then they animated the little things crunching on the poo poo. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you if this is a similar product to the stuff you pour in your toilet or not. <clears throat> However, the stuff we're going to talk about the stuff you pour into pools today. I'm just saying the same concept. Jeez. <laughs> it's enzymes do the same thing enzymes do, right? Right. So I'm going to give you a new word. Try this. Bioenzymatic. Bioenzymatic. Easy. I'm going to have to put that on my phone now. That's the type of concoction that comes with the enzymes and the bacteria. So the enzymes get that oxidation rolling, right? We gas off that carbon Mm -hmm. atom, makes it go away, right? We gas off the carbon. Then the products go in different directions, but this product also adds the bacteria that's going to eat those products. Now that eats and digests the products. And you know what we get? Carbon dioxide and water. Bubbles. 
So enzymes are really like Khaleesi. They are the breaker of carbon bonds. I um, didn't watch it. What? Okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> now, does that mean, check this out, does that mean... I didn't have HBO. That if the enzymes do not come with bacteria in the solution, that they're worthless? No. No. Why? Well, because you can get bacteria elsewhere. You can get bacteria elsewhere. Or, check this out, check this out, check this out. I'm checking it. In a lot of cases, after that carbon atom has been oxidized by microbial oxygenasis, the dissolvability of those products, you know those little things that went off in different directions? A lot of them just dissolve and then end up contributing to your total dissolved solids. And that's where they go. Ah. But you got to keep in mind now that it takes one pound of something added to 10,000 gallons to give you a 12 part per million increase in TDS. So chance of you having one pound of schmutz in the pool. Well, does the chlorine not take care of any of it? Not only do some of these products dissolve and contribute to TDS, the hyperchlorous acid also aids in ridding the pool of that which does not dissolve. No, no. I meant that does the if you had a residual free chlorine, if you had a 3.0 in your pool and you had your schmutz and you added your enzymes and it broke up the band and then, you know, Wes Claypool went over here and Brain went over here and the other guy went over there, wouldn't the chlorine be enough to kill the rest of the... That's right. You don't say. There's another type of enzyme. It comes from bugs and fungus. This also is called microbial lachesis. That's actually a pretty decent band name while we're on the subject of bands. So bugs and fungus, they create these copper-based enzymes where you're actually adding copper with this. And this then causes or catalyzes an oxidation reduction reaction. And in this one... <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, my brain... See, this is why I try... This is what... Whatever. It's This is what it is. Hydrogen peroxide is also created. Oh. And the hydrogen peroxide is... An oxidizer. It's not a very powerful one. It's not as strong as chlorine, but it is an oxidizer. But then, guess what? Any hydrogen peroxide near the surface is subject to UV radiation from the sun's rays, which will also on a small level do what? It will, it will AOP? <laughs> it will create it will create AOP. That's right. <laughs> In the decomposition of that peroxide, you're also going to get the hydroxyl <laughs> radical, not in a large scale as if you had equipment on the pool that was actually creating this stuff, but to a small extent. So that's actually kind of cool as well, right? And this happens when you add what? That is amazing. It happens when you add what? The second type of enzyme? Right, where we actually, it's called lachesis. That's what the enzyme is? Microbial lachesis. That's another group of enzymes that are used. And that's a group. Understand, there's lots and lots of different types inside each group. Well, who makes that kind? Because I want some of that. <laughs> Tom Perugini, paging Tom Perugini. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Check this out. So, did you, all right, true or false? Does pH affect the way enzymes work? I hope not, because I haven't been adjusting it before I add them. That is false. pH definitely is a factor. Son of a bitch. Question number two. Is it going to be the chlorine one? Does temperature affect the way enzymes work? I'm going to guess yes, because temperature affects everything. 
That is correct. Temperature does affect the way enzymes work. Very nice. And so in this, in this round, you are one in one. Does the amount of enzymes affect the way enzymes work? Uh, I'm going to say no. The more, the merrier. Is that one answer? The or amount two? does not affect the amount. So the more, the merrier. I mean, effectiveness. I don't know what you asked me. Well, that unfortunately is incorrect. If you increase the amount of enzymes, you increase the rate of reaction. So more makes it go faster. So wrong answer, Andrea. Next. Wait, 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 wait. Next question. Sorry. No, no. Sorry. I, 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 no, re-explain it. If you add more enzymes because there's more in there. So if you have a pool with schmutz and you add a, a bucket of the recommended amount, right, it's going to work in, let's say, whatever many hours will go four hours, right, which probably isn't right, but it's going to go in four hours. So if I doubled that, then it would work in two hours. Oh, okay. I see. I get it. I kind of misunderstood. I didn't put the answer to the question correctly. Next question. Do the amount of substrates, so does the amount of schmutz in the pool affect the way enzymes work. Oh, shit. Yes, they do. You said before that you thought enzymes were like what? Pac-Man? <whistles> or soap? That one. After Pac-Man. Soap. I always just pictured it like soap, because you use soap to break down, to clean up oil, right? So check this out. Some brands of enzymes used in the swimming pool industry contain alcohols, specifically C9-11, ethyoxalated as the active ingredient. That's a combination of emulsifiers and surfactants. And a surfactant is? It makes the water wetter. Yes, because it pushes the molecules apart. And there are surfactants in your dishwashing liquid and in the soap you add to your washing machine and your dishwasher. And in fact, all the soap does, and that's a big part of how they work. So let's say you said you have this old people sheen across the water of most of your pools, right? Yes. Because you obviously are nowhere near the fountain of youth with the pools you take care of. <laughs> In fact, you're no. you're on the opposite side well, of Florida. That's a little far north. Something gets no. I'm I'm on the right coast. I'm just like four hours, which south. causes people to age at an accelerated rate. No. It no, it's the other way around. It makes you youthful. <laughs> anyway, so emulsifiers. Picture that sheen of oil across the surface, right? It's kind of a flat oil slick. Yes. If you add an emulsifier to the water, it causes it to glop together, just like if you add oil to water when you're cooking. Right. And you know what you do to stop that? Mustard. We don't want to. Did you know we don't want to stop it in the pool? We want to cause it to happen because then when we right, add... of course, because we don't want oily pool water. When we add the surfactants with the emulsifiers, the emulsifiers cause the oil in the water to form droplets. The surfactants reduce the surface tension, right, which causes it to sink a little bit, which makes it easier to filter out of the pool. So you nailed it. Soap-ish. Yes! So I won the whole game. Well, I don't know about that, but soap-like. So it it's, it's actually works in a soap-like manner, right? How cool it's is cool that? It's cool that I pictured it that way before you told me I was correct. Now, that type that we just spoke about right now, the type that with the emulsifiers and surfactants, it is not subject to the same chlorine interference by oxidation as some of the other methods we talked about enzymes, because when you add chlorine to the water, it does oxidize the enzymes that you're adding. So would it be... Which will cause you to need more of the enzymes. So would I, should I, is it better for me to add the enzymes before I add the chlorine or after? 
What do you think? Before or after? I would add them at a low chlorine level, uh, the lowest chlorine level I could. So that way I don't have to worry about my enzymes getting eaten up by chlorine. Well, I'm talking about like one of my commercials that where I'm only there, you know, to do, I'm, I do it all at once. So I. Then check the ingredients, pull the SDS sheets, take a look at the ingredients. I, so I didn't. So I've been adding them after I add the chlorine because I don't want to add them before and shock them away. So I add the chlorine and then I do some other stuff and then I come back after like a few minutes and then I put the enzymes in. Okay. So like I said, if there's a chlorine level in there, it's going to oxidize enzymes. So you're going to need more enzymes. However, mm. this last batch we spoke about, the one where I said the C9-11, this that route, with the emulsifiers and surfactants, it's not as subject to the problems from oxidation as some of the other kinds. So what you should do is pull the SDS sheets for the product that you're considering purchasing, see what ingredients and make your decision based off of that. If you're going to have a good level of chlorine in the water, maybe we don't want to use something the chlorine's going to eat. If you're okay with running the chlorine low for a little bit, then by all means, use whichever kind you like. So what you're saying is... I should not just not put them in on the same day anymore. I should do chlorine one day and then enzymes on the next day. <laughs> no. Well, yes. Well, because I happen to be able to, uh, like the ones that I'm that I'm referring to are commercials. I go three times Fine. a week, so I can very Fine. easily, but, you know, not do a high dose of chlorine on like Wednesday or correct. something, and, and then do the enzymes. And instead. that's perfectly fine. Or you could look at the ingredients. Oh, could you do an enzyme feeder? What? Can you do an enzyme feeder? Could you do something like I, that? Like get a stunner? Probably. Pump? I don't see why not. Would that be cost-effective, efficient, stupid? Well, again, depends on the kind of enzymes you're using. If you're using those that are bioenzymatic, keep in mind they have a specific shelf life. They don't last forever. Hmm. So it's not it's not a short shelf life, but they don't last forever. So it really depends on uh. how much you put in and how much you're pumping. So... The key here is either go with a low chlorine level or look at the ingredients. Okay. I'll do both of those things. Now, the pH these things happen to work well at, the pH that we typically maintain in swimming pools. So that works out pretty good for us. Mm -hmm. Now, also- Which is 7.4. If you have an enzyme that says it also lowers phosphates, how is it able to do that? It contains phosphate remover. Which is? Lenith. Lanthanum, lanthanum chloride. Yes, lanthanum chloride. Lanthanum. That's what I said. And lanthanum is a heavy metal. It's also an element. You can find it on the periodic table. So if the product says that it also lowers phosphates, the only way it can do that is whether it contains lanthanum or what's the other one? Alum. Alum. But I can tell you this, I don't believe that there's a product in the pool industry that comes in a liquid form for lowering phosphates that is alum based. I think they're all lanthanum chloride at this point in time. All the ones that are called like liquid flock and stuff like that? It's lanthanum chloride? No, for phosphate removers. Oh, I thought you meant for... Uh... <laughs> What were we talking about? You said liquid flock. I said phosphates. You, you're you moving on. Oh, yes. Flock. Yeah, but, That's what I, I guess, thought. I thought you meant the flock was lanthanum chloride. And well, not lanthanum alum. is a flock. It's a different type. And you know what? That's a different conversation because today was about enzymes. Oh! All right. Well, thanks for listening. Um, hope we helped you with the salt flake.
pool snow, not diapers. <laughs> yeah, we covered a few different things, right? <laughs> we had the, well, my turkey story, which whatever. Anyway, it was what it was. I'm still kind of upset about it. And then <laughs> the uh, the question of what to charge, what you think it's worth and why you shouldn't care. Uh, and then- And charge you a- what you, the market can bear. Charge, you know, to to help us out here, we all have to work together. Yes, and- we're all in this together. Yes. And there was enough room on that- door i don't care what anybody says (laughs) so and yep enzymes so yeah enzymes are great um follow us on all the socials join our group ask us questions leave us reviews you can follow us on our personal socials too you don't have to just follow us on the pool stuff we like to talk about movies and we do. And have an awesome day. And we, we appreciate you guys. I just want to let you know that. We definitely Absolutely. appreciate you. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 